Today on Let the Bible Speak. In Christ is not just a religious phrase. It is a saving state. So what does it mean to be in Christ and how do we get there? Welcome to the program. It's good to be with you today. Thank you for joining me to consider the Word of God. God desires to bless His beloved creation. When He placed the first man and woman in the Garden of Eden in the dawn of time, He had a pure and perfect fellowship with this husband and wife. He gave them everything they would possibly need to be happy and live a purposeful and joyful life on earth, and He gave them authority over everything else around them. It was a wonderful relationship that God shared with them. The fall changed all of this, however, and the pair was cursed by their sin and driven from their paradise home into a world filled with evil and death. God in His holiness, you see, could not countenance sin, and thus their relationship with Him was broken. God in His love, however, desired a relationship with mankind, even though they had sinned. Well, this, of course, is what the plan of salvation is about. God began to lay out and eventually execute a plan to bring mankind back into fellowship with Him and thus reconcile the fallen world to Himself. God, in other words, still desires to bless His beloved creation. His plan would allow Him to offer this restored relationship and these spiritual blessings to a certain classification of people. These blessings would be reserved only for them. Why? Why didn't God simply bless all sinful men and women with these blessings and benefits since He loves them all? Well, it's because God would not then be God. His plan had to allow Him to retain His own holiness while reaching out and being reconciled to unholy sinners. He had to make them holy so that they might be joined in fellowship to Him. Well, this is the theme of Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, especially in his opening remarks. Let's read together from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, which He made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure which He purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in Him. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. Well, there's a phrase which recurs here and in many other places throughout Paul's writings, the phrase, in Him, or in Christ. He says that God has blessed us, the church to whom he writes, 
with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. Why is it necessary to be a Christian to enjoy such a relationship with God? Well, our study today will be along that theme, and we will entitle the lesson, Only in Christ. And I'll return with that in just a moment. The sublime teaching of Paul in the book of Ephesians shows how the redemption of mankind was planned in the mind of God from the beginning. God has not been frantically wringing His hands in heaven, experimenting with ways to reconcile the fallen race to Himself. He determined from the start that the remedy to sin would involve the sending of His Son and thus reconciling sinners to Himself through Christ. In the process, he shows why the Christian faith is not just one of many possible ways to God. He affirms that the blessings that belong to saved people are found only in Christ Jesus. In fact, Wilbur Fields said in his commentary on the book of Ephesians that the phrase in Christ and other synonymous expressions are used by Paul some 164 times throughout the New Testament. Well, that tells me that in Christ is an important place to be found. Throughout the Bible story, you'll find where God's people have always occupied a special place and a special position in the eyes of God in distinction from the rest of the people of the world. 
God had fellowship with man inside the Garden of Eden until he was driven out into a cursed and lonely world because of sin. And from that point forward, God worked through a special family out of all of the people of the earth, that of Seth and later Abraham, then Isaac, then Jacob, and so forth. And then eventually God established a special nation and gave them a particular place to live. God had a covenant, a relationship with that nation that he did not have with anyone else. All of this was temporary, though, because it pointed forward to the plan that God was unfolding and would finally reveal through the coming of His Son, Christ Jesus. Now, God's chosen and special people, those with whom He is in covenant with and those whom He uniquely blesses with all spiritual blessings, are those people who are found in Christ. The church of Christ is another way of referring to those who are spiritually in Christ. The word church means the called out or the assembly. And usually when the Bible uses the word church, it is speaking of those who have been called out of the world, spiritually speaking, and find their identity in Christ. Those whom Christ has gathered in himself through means of the gospel. So being in Christ is a special and a privileged position. Just as being an Israelite under the old covenant meant being one of God's chosen people, so being in Christ today means being one of God's chosen ones. Now, this is what Paul was talking about throughout the first chapter of Ephesians when he speaks of us being chosen. He says, for example, in uh, verses 4 through 6, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved." Now there's some confusion today about what Paul was referring to. Some allege that Paul was saying that God arbitrarily looked ahead in time and He selected certain individuals to be saved, thus excluding others, leaving them to simply be destroyed in hell. In other words, whether you were saved was determined in the mind of God from the beginning of time, and if God picked you as an individual, then you're saved, and if He didn't, then you are eternally condemned and you have no choice in the matter. Well, that's classic or hyper-Calvinism, and it is a patently false doctrine. There are many passages that show that man has a will that can either choose or reject Christ. So what does Paul mean by people being chosen before the foundation of the world? The key is in the phrase, in Him. He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. He's not speaking of arbitrarily choosing certain individuals. He's speaking of looking ahead into time and choosing a class of people to be saved, and that is those who are in Christ His Son. And anyone who will hear, believe, and obey the gospel can be found in Christ Jesus. Paul's teaching about election and predestination does not conflict with the Bible's teaching about the free will of man if we understand what Paul means by election. He's simply showing us that God's plan to save and to bless sinful man was just that. His plan, his eternal plan that was in his mind from the beginning of time and only those who now are in Christ will receive all the spiritual blessings that are found exclusively in Him. Thus being found in Christ 
is to be part of God's holy and separate nation and to enjoy the privileges that belong only to those people. I want us to see today why it is necessary to be found in Christ if we want to be saved and have a reconciled relationship with God and how we enter that blessed condition. So not only do those who are in Christ enjoy the distinction of being part of a chosen people. Second, Paul says in verse 5 that this includes the wonderful privilege of adoption as sons. Now, Paul's the only New Testament writer who uses the term adoption, and he does so at least five times here in Ephesians, as well as Galatians and his letter to the Romans. It's a metaphor that Paul employs to show the privileged position that people in Christ have. And it illustrates the wonderful relationship that we can have with God through Christ, by His grace. Now, the Romans allowed one to legally adopt a child, and that not only entitled that child to whatever material possessions would fall to a fleshly son, but would also give him the same status in society. An adopted son had the same privileges as the actual son. Well, God has only one literal son, and that is Christ, but by being adopted into God's family, we share the same access to God and to heaven's blessings that belong to Christ our joint heir. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Just to think that God looks at us and grants to us the same heavenly blessings that are Christ's. Now our adoption is in a sense still incomplete because we're living now on earth in the flesh whereas Christ has already ascended into the presence of the Father. But one day that too will take place for those who are in Christ when Jesus comes again and our bodies are raised and redeemed being transformed into the likeness of Christ's resurrection body, and we will live in the presence of the Father for eternity with Christ and all the hosts of heaven. Now that's a wonderful prospect. But that hope is only found by being adopted as privileged sons into the family of God now. And that only happens when we enter into Christ, His Son, through whom God has made possible and appointed all spiritual blessings. Yes, God cares about and God even blesses all of His creation, saint or sinner, with temporal and earthly blessings. Every single person on the face of this earth is the recipient of some blessing from God. The life you have, the air you breathe, the food you eat, the clothes you wear are all blessings undeservingly given to people through God's grace. But you see, spiritual blessings, and those are the only ones that are eternal, those spiritual blessings are found only in His Son, Christ Jesus. And then this is only possible because in Christ and only in Christ can we obtain the forgiveness of our sins. Read again beginning in verse 5. He says, Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. Verse 7, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. Now notice that Paul says that by His grace, God made us accepted in the Beloved. Now, you see, we could not be accepted outside of Christ because we were in our sins. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, Paul taught in Romans 3 verse 23. And our sin made us enemies of God and dead in sin, according to Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 3. But by His grace or His unmerited favor, 
His plan included a means of making sinners accepted in His sight. Well, we couldn't accomplish that. God had to do that. And the only way that that could be accomplished and God remain holy and just was to provide a means for your sins and mine to be expiated or covered and forgiven. Now that is, of course, why Christ was incarnated and died vicariously upon the cross. So that, yes, our sins could be punished, sin's debt could be paid, but at the same time, we who had sinned could be pardoned and justified which means essentially to be treated as though we had never sinned even though we had, and thus be accepted by God. That's the only way we could be accepted by God. Sin had to be taken out of the picture. Well, that's the beauty, the wisdom, and the power of the gospel. Notice, though, that Paul qualifies this forgiveness as being made possible only in Christ. By His grace He made us accepted in the Beloved, which is Christ His Son. Only through the merits of Christ's death and by receiving the pardon that could only come through His death can we be forgiven of our sins and be received by God as His adopted sons. He says, in Him, and I might emphasize that only in Him can we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. You and I could never pay the debt that our sin incurred and stand before God and live. As the old hymn says, In my hand no price I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Your goodness and my goodness, your efforts and my efforts will always fall short. We don't have the means to begin to pay sin's debt. But Christ had the riches, and He has the loving concern and mercy to step in and pay the price so that you can be forgiven and go free. What love, what grace. Do you understand the love and the compassion and the mercy and grace that took? So many people misunderstand this idea of God's forgiveness. They think that God forgives on a whim or because He feels like it or because, well, we make enough effort and show ourselves to somehow be redeemable and deserve His favor. Friend, that's blasphemous. God's forgiveness is only possible by the merits of Christ's substitutionary sacrifice upon the cross of Calvary. That's what the Christian religion is all about. That's the message of the gospel. And I ask you today, how does any other religion answer that problem of sin? How does any other religion, any other philosophy, any other way make sinful man acceptable in the sight of a holy and just God and at the same time, God's holiness and justice remain intact. There is no such religion. There is no other way. Salvation from sin and thus reconciliation to God and thus the hope of eternal life, you see, was predestined in Christ because Christ was the only way to make it happen and God still be the holy, just, and loving God that He is. That, my friend, is why it is imperative for you to be in Christ if you would have any relationship with God. It's not that Christianity is a superior religion, though it certainly is. It's not that Christianity has a better rule for living, a wiser rule for, li for living, though it certainly does. It's the fact that Christ Jesus was the only means of saving a lost world and reconciling the people of that sinful world to holy God. And that's why you need to be in Christ today. 
I want you to understand that all spiritual privileges, whether it be the forgiveness of sins, the blessings that only Christians can beseech God for through prayer, the assurance and peace of salvation, the right of access to the throne room of heaven in worship and in prayer, those things only belong to those who are in Christ by His grace. So now the question before us is, how does one enter Christ? What does the Bible teach about becoming part of this chosen people who are found in Him? Are we in Christ just simply by believing it to be so? No, even though belief is necessary. Does the Bible teach that we pray our way into Christ? I challenge you to find the passage that says we pray into Christ Jesus. Even though we do appeal to Christ for a clear conscience and thus a right relationship, according to 1 Peter 3 and verse 21, You'll not find one example after the apostles were sent forth to preach the good news of the gospel on the day of Pentecost where any person was told to say a sinner's prayer in response to the gospel in order to be saved or enter into Christ Jesus. Uh, we don't repent our way into Christ, even though it's essential that we repent of our sins if we want to be saved, but we don't repent into Christ. We don't decide our way into Christ. Friend, I want you to listen carefully to what the apostle Paul said about how a person enters into Christ. It may not be what your preacher told you, but it's what the inspired Apostle Paul said. Now remember that Paul said that we have received the adoption of sons and found acceptance through the forgiveness of our sins in the Beloved, that is Christ. Well, read with me what he wrote to the Galatians in Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 and 27. He says, For all, you all, are the sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Writing to the church, For for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And to the Romans, he wrote in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized, here it is, baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. You see, it's only when one's faith in the Savior leads him or her in obedience to be buried with Christ in baptism that we enter into a new relationship with Him by His grace. Are you in Christ? He invites you to be in Christ and find all of these blessings. He wants to share the riches of glory with you. So are you in Christ? Well, the question is, have you been baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins? Acts 2 verse 38. To have your sins washed away? Acts 22 verse 16. And to rise with Him from that transaction of baptism through faith in the operation of God? Colossians 2 verse 12. Friend, it's not a symbol of a prior faith. It's a transaction that places one by faith into a new relationship with the saving Christ. And Christ appointed that place for a person to be joined and united with Him. And if you haven't taken that step, you're not in Christ. It's as simple as that. Because there's no other way to enter Him according to the Word of God. And if you've never placed your faith in Him and been immersed for the forgiveness of your sins and thus been added to His body, the church, I implore you, please do so today. He wants to share the riches of heaven with you. And He will 
if in faith and repentance you'll reach out to Him and be united with Him by obeying Him in baptism today. Worship the Lord, He is worthy of praise. Sing to Him now a new song. A song of praise, give to Him glory the rest of our days. but touch the hem of the garment when it comes to the tremendous blessings and benefits that are found in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ? Would you like to learn more about what it means to be in Christ? How to become a Christian after the New Testament order and enjoy all of these wonderful privileges and blessings we've talked about today? We'd be happy to assist you in obedience to the gospel or in learning more about what it takes to obey the truth and to become a child of God. If you'd like a free printed copy of our lesson today, ask for the lesson only in Christ and we will send that to you as quickly as we can get it on its way. It's free of any cost whatsoever. Thank you for joining me for the program today. I hope you'll find us online, ltbstv.org, on social media, including Facebook and YouTube, as well as our podcast. Be sure to subscribe. Just look for Let the Bible Speak TV. I look forward to being back with you next time, if the Lord wills, for another Bible study. Until then, I pray you have a great week ahead. May the Lord keep you well, and we will look forward to seeing you next time. God bless. Let the Bible Speak is brought to you by The Church of Christ. For more information, including our past broadcast and sermon transcripts, visit ltbstv.org. Thanks for being with us today. Join us next time for Let the Bible Speak.